Biometric Junkies. Welcome back to another episode of the SNAP Podcast. My name is Natalie Miller, and today Josie Kautsky and I are going to jump right back into part two of our pediatric advocacy discussion with Maria Jones, Cindy Miles, Cherie York, and Mary Jane Rapport. If you haven't listened to part one yet, go back and take a listen as this podcast is a continuation of that same discussion. And with that, let's jump right back in. So we've talked about how the APTA and the APPT really work together and are trying to go in the same direction with policy and support each other. But how do you think that pediatric advocacy looks a little bit different than the general advocacy efforts from the APTA? I don't know that it really looks any different. Um, you know, any, any issue that comes up, we always tr- try to garner support from APTA to, to send out a joint effort. Um, when the current administration went into place um, and there was the nominations for um, Secretary of Education, there were some grave concerns on behalf of the academy about the nomination for the Secretary of Education. And it was very specific to the lack of knowledge surrounding um, the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act. And so we initially, as an academy, went forward to APTA and said we would like to basically do a public um, letter acknowledging our concerns related to that. And APTA kindly wrote back and said, um, we basically don't get into um, nominations. We work in a bipartisan way to try to um, you know, shape policy and, and influence things that happen once people are in place. Um, but because of the lack of knowledge and the concerns that the academy had specifically related to Um, the education of children with disabilities and the understanding of the basic tenets of the Individuals with Disabilities Education Act, we decided as an academy that we were going to submit a letter. And so the academy in that case um, sent a letter to a representative um, about our concerns with the nomination. So that's just one very specific example of how sometimes, you know, you have to remove yourself from the mothership, if you will, (laughs) uh, and advocate for the the people that you serve. Right. I think that's a good way to explain that. I would just um, echo what Maria said. I I don't really think it is much different um, what we do from general advocacy efforts. In fact, I think they align very well. Mm -hmm. Yes. And, but Mary Jane, you made the point that since uh, Sharon Dunn's been the president, we're seeing a, a lot more outreach. Yeah, I mean, certainly APTA has taken a more um, external or public-facing view and has been involved in more public health initiatives. And I would just kind of echo a comment that was made earlier, but um, since Katie Neese has been the executive vice president of um, public policy for APTA, um, she has really been sort of the person who has um, has really taken our um, our concerns to heart. Um, I would say, and really has um, ha- has directed APTA staff to spend probably more time and energy on pediatric physical therapy issues and concerns than has happened pre- previously. So that's wonderful to see as well. It really is. That's really awesome to hear that the APTA is promoting um, pediatrics and helping more so with our specific advocacy points. And I think as students and new professionals, we should be able to feed in on that and use 
the wave, so to say, um, that has already gotten started in, in order to begin our journey into policy and advocacy. Sherry, what do you think are the ways pediatric advocacy might look different than um, just general advocacy with the APTA? The one thing I've seen since I was involved on the board for this section and, you know, over the years with the academy, um, it used to be that pediatrics by the APTA was, wasn't really involved very much in anything political or legislative, but when the group, the office that works on advocacy and legislation started asking all presidents of the different sections, what are your high priorities in your area? And, you know, that could be regionally, but mainly, you know, like private practice, orthopedics, pediatrics, home right. health, whatever. And people would start turning those in. Over the years, we've seen the pediatric issues rise wow. higher up in the priority list and to just consistently be on the list. The staff can answer great questions about Medicaid funding, which, by the way, as you know, um, the the way it's administered is different in every state. So there's right. no national answer for Medicaid. But to learn what to ask and to um, have... The, the headquarters staff can share so much information as well as the committee on reimbursement for the academy is very savvy. Janine Colburn has led that or been on that committee for a while and has written books about reimbursement and about how to advocate and talk to people about funding and support for services and equipment. So just keeping this a two-way street, you know, of communicating what we perceive our needs to be and then getting guidance from people with really good experience talking to legislators at both the national and state levels so that we all know what to do better at home when we have it's now called app tax so the you know the the yearly um pediatric physical therapy conference there's usually a session on advocacy so it's a good kind of fun one to go to to just understand it better some people are kind of like i don't really want to do that but once you go listen to Joe or Mary Jane or Maria talk about these issues, it's more like, you know, I guess I could do that. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, honestly, from just talking to all of you, I feel like I have not done enough yet that I need to read up on some of this stuff and start talking to some of my legislators. You're all so knowledgeable and so good at breaking it down that it seems silly that I haven't known all of these things before. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's really simpler than you think it's going to be, but just, you know, n- knowing enough about your topic and what your, what your simple ask is. It helps to have some facts, you know, like how many numbers of kids need this or that, or what's the big issue for student loan repayment or whatever. And just, you know, blow them away a little bit with some numbers, but mainly, they are not going to spend hours with you. So it's more like 15 minutes usually. So you really need to come down with, I'm here to talk to you about, you know, I'm from, it, it helps if you're from their area, again, a legislator, you know, to think that, that you could vote or that your, your parents could because they live in your, you know, your district. Um, but making that personal connection first and then saying, I'm here to talk to you about this. Do you know, have you heard about this? Do you have questions about it? What I'm going to ask you to do is vote for this or 
would you uh, be a sponsor on this bill that's already in a committee? Right. So it's just right. the way you, you open the door to be social enough and then professional enough to get on with it. Absolutely. Definitely. So how do you think we can improve our advocacy efforts as a whole profession in order to impact more families in a greater way? I really think that it's about just taking initiative. Um, Even if you don't know what to say or do, having that passion, that drive and doing something is better than nothing. So um, I think the best thing that new professionals can do is, you know, take some risk. Um, it, It can be anything from writing a letter to making a phone call to coming to a conference to talking to somebody I mean, any of those things are forms of advocacy. Um, It is one of the tenets of our core values and um, our responsibility as doctors of physical therapy. And I just think that we need to act upon it. This is Maria. I do think what, you know, I'll I'll just piggyback to what Mary Jane said. And I do think it's about taking initiative um, and really not... um, taking, and I'm going to say no for an answer. So again, when I think about how my advocacy, which I really didn't label it as that back then, is when I got a denial from an insurance company or a physician said, no, I don't think they need physical therapy or, I mean, any number of things. I just really was never, I never took no for an answer. Um, I just took it as a request for additional information. (laughs) And so I think looking at it, we become real, I mean, we, we take it personally. Um, And I think that's what it kind of, after a while, you have to step back from it and say, you know, no, maybe I just didn't explain this well enough. And it really is about having that conversation that could also be with your supervisor that tells you, you know, no, we can't do this because of X, Y, Z. And really uh, having a conversation with them about wanting to understand why that is, where that policy is you know, reading the policy or the law yourself and, and seeing if you can come to that same interpretation um, and, and, and really just, I would say, questioning the status quo or asking questions um, to help you better understand where those things are coming from, um, how you can frame differently. And maybe you'll come up with some other ways of um, ways to work around it. Or again, maybe your interpretation of what that policy says is, will be different. And so you can have a conversation about that. Um, so I think it's really just, um, staying inquisitive and, and, and not just accepting, oh, well, I can't do this because they said so. Um, if it's important to you, if it's important to the families, um, then it's, it's definitely something worth fighting for. I totally agree. I mean, that's this thing I just, I said earlier, you just have to step back and like Mary, uh, Marie just said, make it personal. (laughs) You have to ask yourself, if this was your child, your grandchild, your niece or your nephew, would you be satisfied? If not, you have to advocate for them. But then also don't compromise mm-hmm. your values. Those are another thing you might have to advocate for. If somebody's asking you to do something that you're uncomfortable with or you don't, you don't think that that's the, the right way to approach it, either for a family or from an insurance perspective or an ethical perspective, I think that's, that's you're just advocating for yourself as an individual for your value base too. So I Yeah, think and important. I think using resources, I get you know emails from people all the time. And I know APTA has um, you know a, a main... Um, email address advocacy at apta.org absolutely i love that you talked about having conversations with people because i have to say when i first got the list of the suggestions of who we should interview for this podcast i thought to myself 
holy cow, I am way out of my league emailing these people and asking them to sit down and talk to me about such important issues because you guys are kind of the big wigs in the Academy of Pediatric Physical Therapy. And <laughs> we have the same number of bones you do. We have the same number of organs you do. <laughs> We're just people. My mother always says we put our pants That's on right. Absolutely. So I just so appreciate that you were able to sit down with me. And so I would encourage other professionals and students to reach out. If you're at a conference and you know that somebody's really knowledgeable in an area, normally everybody's very happy to share what they know and their expertise with you as long as they can find a time to sit down and chat about it. Yeah, absolutely. I think you guys came up with some great ideas of how do we can improve our advocacy and kind of touched on some barriers too, including getting the favorite answer. No. Um, so along with that, kind of like, what do you see as the largest barrier to pediatric advocacy right now? I think it's real. it's kind of what we, or it's not just political. That's a part of it, but it's definitely not the whole. Um, and there are lots of other things that go into it. And so it's really um, educating people about what their roles and responsibilities are um, and that how advocacy can happen on an individual level as well as, you know, a societal level, if you will. <laughs> um, I think that's really probably the biggest barrier is just broadening um, the things that people look at as advocacy and making sure they're aware of the resources that um, the association already has out there and that they can use and access. Yes. Yeah, just brought in that perspective, as you say, Mary, Maria, that's definitely each individual said, even at a small level, anybody can get involved. It doesn't have to be those of us that spend hours doing it. Just even one, one of those letters, just, sending them off yeah yeah because there's definitely power in numbers so that's why APTA Mm -hmm. has put out what they've done is because the more people that legislators and uh, people hear from the better off it is yep definitely I agree with that that's something um my program stressed a lot so I think that's a a big barrier is just not knowing what to do but even even just a little thing right and I think it's just the fear people think oh I've just been practicing for one year or you know I'm just now new to the field it doesn't really matter you can explain what you do and sure your message might come off more fluent (laughs) as you um as you gain experience but um you know I say it's it's good to start young Um, And so that way you just can keep refining that message. As we all say, practice makes perfect, right? (laughs) Yes. So there are no better time to start practicing. (laughs) Or at least best, maybe not perfect, but best for sure. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Well, for the uh, newbie PTs of me and Josie, that's a good thing to hear that we can start now and improve as we go along. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) So we know that a big part of politics is money and funding. Um, and we as the SNAP committee have discussed the PT PAC and in particular our yearly donations because um, we know that this is the organization that is sending people to Capitol Hill to lobby for PT related issues. However, we are wondering um, what you all thought and if there are other organizations that might target pediatric advocacy more effectively or if pediatrics is benefiting from the current PT PAC efforts. Well, I definitely think that it's, it's a big improvement, as we've kind of been saying along this 
this this time that we're in here and especially since the medicare um rule <laughs> has changed so now apta can change their focus yeah um, i will tell you just as we said since sharon's there justin elliott sharon justin and kate came to aptac last year and i'm sure maria will agree it was wonderful mm-hmm. to have them there we right. had the we had them at our town hall and people have been in in, in conferences all day long to 5 30 we were there until after 8 30 we had to ask people to leave so we could take them to dinner because they've been traveling all day and, and justin came to every single session from the time we started in the morning at seven until the end of the day and was there just answering people's questions so they're they're vested i really do feel that they are vested in us as an academy so i really they yeah. are championing for us i mean that's my opinion and I'm, I'm confident that if any member would contact them and ask them a question they would be there um, and back us up. So I, I actually upped my money this year. I um, doubled it up and became a PT pack eagle or a Noah, whatever it is, the double one for a thousand. So yeah, yeah. I, just, I see the value of it. So yeah, and I think they they're making efforts to broaden their membership, and it's part of our strategic plan. So we did have conversations as part of the strategic planning process about should the academy have their own lobbying function. Um, kind of separate from um, APTA, which that's really what that PT pack is all about. Um, and it's not something we've chosen to do. So we really, in terms of, you know, a donation that would go directly to the advocacy efforts, that's the main um, method that we have to support candidates who are supporters of physical therapy um, or, you know, who, who, um, our proponents, that sort of thing. So I still think it's positive. It may not be um, specific to pediatrics, but as I say on the federal affairs phone call, you know, for years and years and years, we fought for you (laughs) as pediatric (laughs) therapies, um, you know, over the therapy cap, which had nothing to do with us. So when other pieces of legislation come up, like reauthorization of IDEA, or things that are important to us as pediatric therapists, we expect you to return the favor. Um, And so I think it's just having, being very frank with those conversations. Absolutely. Well, that's good to know. I think um, sometimes there are things that are at such a big national level that when you're new to the field, you're not exactly sure how much of it is actually working the way that you think it's working or how the Mm -hmm. message has been relayed so it's good to hear that people even at the highest level also believe that they're getting our message across and like you said Mm -hmm. the APTA keeps putting pediatric policy and advocacy in their top 10 list so that's always a good thing to see is I think that is something and I really think that shows growth of APTA it's been very and they they said it's been very adult focused it's been very even private practice focused. Um, and so they're glad to have somebody with more um, public policy uh, or public programs, if you will, Medicaid um, experience on that, that um, committee. And I think what it, the other thing that it shows is, you know, you all talk about as students and new professionals being scared to contact us. I think sometimes we as pediatric therapists don't give ourselves enough credit for the influence that we can have um, in APTA and thinking about some of the roles that, uh, or some of the committees that are out there and available. I also think it's communicating with them. I didn't even know this public policy and advocacy committee even existed. Exactly. So I think part of it is relaying that information to them and people knowing what avenues are out there to be involved. And I think 
that's an area where I would say APTA, as well as the academy, can do a better job of making sure people understand different ways to become involved um, and engaged. And, you know, you don't have to have a leadership role, but here's, you know, a certain function that you can serve. Totally agree. I mean, one of the things I do is I, I make every effort I can to go to each of their board meetings. Um, and I think that that's been helpful even just to find out, like you said, Maria, just for us to know everything else that's going on you right. know, beyond our academy. So it's very important. Wow. Yeah. Just everything you guys just said, it's encouraging um, for me and I'm sure Josie as well as a new professional just to hear that um, the APTA has brought in so much and has included pediatrics and so much more in the last few years um, that as we come into this profession, um, we're kind of, we know that we are able to jump more directly into advocacy. Right. And you know, it's so important to get this information out to more people and to just let them know that there are so many knowledgeable people, not only the academy, but also like the APTA and you all who are here and um, many more that you've talked about during this podcast. Um, you know, they're at CSM, they're at APTEC or another conference. And so if one of our listeners have any questions, um, they can definitely reach out and try to meet with any one of you at those conferences. Or all about everybody's about every one of us, if a new professional's right on through us that are seasoned are all about moving our profession forward mm-hmm. and improving the, 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 what we allow, what we are able to provide and serve our family and children. That's the, that's the key. I just want to say thank you all again for just taking time out of your busy, busy days and um, talk with me and Josie and just teach us and all of our listeners um, just a ton about pediatric advocacy. Well, well, thank you guys welcome. for coordinating it. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's been great. You just keep up the good work. Oh my gosh. So I don't know about all of you, but Josie and I learned so much about the ins and outs about pediatric advocacy, what it entails, the current issues, and most importantly, how and when to get involved. Spoiler alert, go start getting involved now, whether you are a student or a new grad. We hope you all enjoyed this episode. This was part two of two, but we will be releasing a bonus episode for you to get to know Cindy, Sherry, Maria, and Mary Jane a little bit more as they describe their backstories and how they got involved in advocacy. We are currently scheduling more interviews and topics for our next episodes, but we want to hear from you all what you want to learn. Email pedsnpdor at gmail.com. That is... P-E-D-S-S-N-P-D-O-R at gmail.com with your feedback and suggestions. Like always, hit the subscribe button so you can never miss an episode. Till next time, friends.